Hello, this is Peter Davison, and you're listening to Discussing Who. Welcome back, everyone. This is Discussing Who. I am Kyle Jones, and breaking news, there is not going to be a review of anything tonight. We're going to be talking about the future, and when we're recording this, we're going to be talking about this upcoming weekend. And the best way to talk about this upcoming weekend is to say, welcome back, Alan Seiler from Hulanta. Alan, how are you? Absolutely wonderful. So glad to be here. Thanks for asking me. Well, I think I can say for all three of us, we're glad that you are here. But I, but before I introduce who are the rest of the three of us, let me just say there have been very few points in the last two to three months where I felt like a real excitement about something. I did feel a big excitement about something whenever I saw the post that there was going to be a Hulanta 2020. So let's just begin off the start and saying, thank you. This is exciting. Oh, I'm so glad you feel that way. <laughs> it's it's going to be interesting. It's not something we've ever done before. So it's an experiment and we'll see how it goes. But I'm hoping it's going to be great. Cool. Well, speaking of experiments, because every time we get on a recording, I'm sure these two gentlemen having to deal with me feel like they're in an uh, experiment gone wrong. And that first one, of course, is Clarence Brown. Clarence, how are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, I, for one, am happy you found your recorder. <laughs> oh, dear. Considering last week I didn't have my recorder, I have my recorder. Well, Clarence is in on it, too. Yeah, I might as well enjoy it. Oh, oh, you know. yeah. so, you can't beat him, right? See, yeah. be careful, my friend, what you ask for, because that might <laughs> keep me in this voice and make me say, Mr. Lee Shackelford, how are you? No, very well, thank you. Yes. Oh, dear. Do you have yeah. a recorder, too? No, I don't. I was, I was just thinking that if you're going to keep uh, brushing up your Patrick Troughton, I need to uh, uh, work on my Fraser Hines. Or, but Fraser Hines doing Jamie. No. Cause he oh, doesn't Jamie, really, Zoe. He, did, he didn't really talk like that. Okay. Yeah. 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 So anything anyway. interesting going on for all three of you? I know what Alan is go has going on, probably. But <laughs> he's got something going on. He's got something going on. But anything interesting in the worlds of Clarence and Lee? Whew. Uh, yeah, I've got a, I got a relativity coming out tomorrow. That's kind of exciting. Yes. Wow. And I do mm -hmm. believe if I were psychic, I might Ooh. say Stephanie Lindsay. Correct. Lovely interview with uh, lovely Stephanie Lindsay, who, uh, listeners know as Mata Schumacher, who, and, uh, like, like Fraser Hines. She doesn't really talk like that in real life, but yeah. So uh, get to know the real Stephanie. So that's coming out uh, as we record this tomorrow. We're, we're in such a weird time bubble here, aren't we? I mean, I wish that we could be, you know, encouraging everybody to get on board with Hulanta. But by the time they hear this, it will be but a happy memory. Well, because of the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimeyness of my scheduling, because we recorded oh. in advance, I'm oh. going to fast-track this one and put it out either, hopefully, tomorrow morning or tomorrow evening. Oh, so this fantastic. will actually go out before Hulanta. It will go out tomorrow. And Take this a is, day off from work. Hey, yeah. <laughs> I just won't sleep. I'll troll away. 
You well, know, I am that excited about Hulanta. Seriously, I'm going to go yeah. out and edit out what episode numbers that we said were coming next, so that we can slot this oh. before it happens. Nobody's going to hold us to that because uh, this is. Um, I feel like this kind of came out of nowhere, but uh, it kind of did actually. Well, yeah, because because <laughs> I remember you taking a poll and saying. Who would be interested if I tried to do this? Yeah. <laughs> you must have gotten buried in an avalanche, I think. A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny because it was, it's been kind of percolating in the back of my mind for a couple of months. And, you know, it was just, I don't know, spur of the moment. I just thought, you know what? Let's do it. So I, I put that out just to see what response it would get. Ooh. And it got a pretty good response. Yeah. So there you go. The origin story. <laughs> my wife is working on a, on a, a, a psychology symposium that they're going to do this summer. And they've, one of the things that they've run into is the, the sort of a technological limitation that if they have more than 500 people coming, they'll have to, uh, change the way it's being presented. I'm not, I'm not sure what mm-hmm. platform this is talking about. And I, so I got the impression you've run smack into that. Uh, well, no, not really, because it wasn't ever my plan to do it strictly through Zoom. Ah. Uh, what we're doing is uh, we're going to be conducting all the guest interviews on Zoom. So it'll only be, you know, four people at the most on at one time. And then the Zoom call will be broadcast live on Facebook. So the audience will be watching it on Facebook That's and, <laughs> and can interact with us there. Uh, they can put – actually, we're going to – we're going to take questions uh, in advance, but you can always ask a question at the time in the in the chat on the sidebar of the of the Facebook Live. So there will be some interactivity going on. Fantastic! Wow, because we we just watched uh, Remembrance of the Daleks, and now we're all jumping up <laughs> and down to hang out with Sophie Aldred. So oh yeah, yeah. Um, we've got one of the one of the panels that we're doing is uh, the music of Doctor Who. Yes. And I've got Dominic Glenn. Dominic Glenn, yeah. And uh, as of uh, just a little while ago, a little late this afternoon, Mark Ayers also, huh. which I'm very excited about. And since you bring up Remembrance, sadly, we weren't able to get Kef McCullough to join them because he lives in New Zealand, and it would be like 3 in the morning <laughs> or something when we, they would be doing it. So um, He said no. Yeah, well, <laughs> sleep is an important thing. Yes, it is. So we have Dominic and Mark, which I'm very excited about. Awesome. That's terrific. So what was it like, you know, from the reception of reaching out to people? Because beforehand, you were reaching out to people to actually physically come and spend X number of days in Atlanta, Georgia. Mm -hmm. What was it like reaching out to people for this different type of medium that's totally different from, you know, what you've done in Mm -hmm. the past? Well, you know, the, the, the benefit is that at least they don't have to fight airport traffic and, you know, worry about flight delays and all that kind of stuff. As long as they can make it into whatever room their computer is in, you know, and, and flip on, you know, this, the Zoom connection, then, you know, it's easy peasy. Um, and you know, it was funny because when I, when we, when I first did that, um, that little test announcement to see what kind of response we'd get, a few of the people that have ended up as guests on uh, on the Saturday contacted me and said, hey, this is really exciting. If you need anything, let me know. Dominic Glenn was one of them. That's terrific. Yeah, John John Davey, who is one of the uh, creature performers in the new series, 
he started in 2006 and all the way up to the most recent season. He's played all, you know, tons of aliens and monsters and stuff and some background human characters. Um, I got to know him from last year's Atlanta and we're, we're still buddies and he contacted immediately and he was like, yeah, sure. Let me, let me know what I can do. So that was kind of, it was kind of exciting because I didn't really, you know, some of the guests lined themselves up, which was, <laughs> which was quite nice. Yes. <laughs> so was, was, uh, being able to ask that question was, I just want to know, like, was that like spurred by some particular thing? Of course, you know, we're all work from home, a, a mm-hmm. lot of video conferencing going on with your job or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I have seen a lot of different, um, uh, intellectual properties, like former actors, popping up to do different things online, different events uh, because yeah. of the current situation we're in. So is that something that kind of prompted you to say, hmm, let me float this out there? Kind of. It was, yeah. But really, the impetus behind this was uh, last year was supposed to be the final Hulanta, right? Right. At, at least for a little while. we were. It was either going to be ending last year or we were going to take a little break from it and restart it at another point. Um so we weren't planning on having one this year at all. And even if we had planned on one, it would have had to have been canceled. So we wouldn't have ended up having it at all. So the funny thing is that being in a, you know, quarantine lockdown where everything is basically being conducted online right now gave us the opportunity to do another Hulanta. And, and I'll tell you that the thing that really kind of wouldn't let, you know, leave my head is that I I really did need a break from Hulanta. It's a huge undertaking and it's a lot of work. And so yeah. we were like, okay, we're all in agreement. We're gonna, the, the, you know, it's gonna be the last one. And I have had a very hard time letting it go. <laughs> <laughs> so it was more like my own personal desperation of wanting to do Hulanta again, and the you know the the Zoom atmosphere of the quarantine providing a method for it actually to happen. So it was it was my own desperation. That's all. <laughs> it, it has been fascinating. I'm thinking about other shows, mm-hmm. uh, like podcasts that I, that I, that I listen to, and because everybody's at home all of a sudden, uh, sometimes these kind of um, I don't want to say B level shows, but shows where they would have uh, interesting guests, but not celebrities. Suddenly, they'd be able to get celebrity guests because all they have to do is call them on the phone. <laughs> The thing that so, I really, yeah, the thing that I found most interesting about this whole situation is the number of musicians, like big rock stars, yeah. who have started doing like a weekly thing from their home studio. Yeah, you know, Paul Stanley from Kiss has has been doing a thing where every once every week he comes in and he will take one of his songs. Kiss song or solo song or whatever, and we'll break it down, tell you the history of it, you know, how he came up with it. The, you know, he'll play it. Billy Joe Armstrong from Green Day has done a series once a week. He does a cover of a different song live from his studio. <laughs> wow. So that's been the thing. The Indigo Girls yeah. did a, did a concert from their living room. Get out. Yeah. Okay. Where, where they're, you know, part, part of it is playing their old songs and part of it was previewing new songs from their, uh, album that's coming out next mm. month. So it's been exciting. It's, <laughs> it's very so I'm like, you know what? I don't want Hulana to be left out of all this. <laughs> right. Well, so is that how suddenly we have Colin Baker now when we didn't before? Um, I had, when I put the first, uh, when I did the first guest announcements, there was four people, uh, Sophie and I emailed her and, you know, I've, she was at our convention in 
2011, I think it was. And, um, and we've just, you know, we remained friends over the, you know, over the years. And I've seen her when I go to Gallifrey one and things like that. Um, and drop her a line once in a while. So, you know, I just said, look, here's the thing we're doing. You know, I want to, if you, if you would like to, I'd love to have you on. We'll spend the majority of the time talking about your new novel and Mm -hmm. the, the, uh, season 26 box set, the Blu-ray box set that just came out. So we'll be talking about new, you know, relevant stuff. Um, would you be interested? And she was like, of course, sign me up for, you know, whatever time she asked for. And, um, so it was that easy. And then Colin, I emailed and didn't hear back from him right away. Um, it was maybe a week or so later when he, f- he responded and said, well, yes, since it's you asking and since you have done my laundry in the past, of course. I <laughs> now, there's a story there. There is a story. <laughs> I'm one of the few people in the world who has done a load of a doctor's laundry. delicate things. Yeah. <laughs> but, but did you, you know look what? him in the eye and say, I'd be honored <laughs> as, he, as he stole it off with the basket? <laughs> and the thing was, he yeah. was doing, he was doing like three conventions. Three or four conventions in a row, and Dragon Con was the second or third one. So he had been, you know, kind of stuck in America for, you know, this long stretch of, you know, weekend events. And I was like, I'd be happy to, you know, help you out with the laundry. No problem. <laughs> you know, cause awesome. who, who gets to say that? Exactly. You know, that they've done, they've done the doctor's laundry. <laughs> but, but you know what? I think, you know, listening to it from not your perspective, but from the other side, I think it says something about who Lanta in general, that you have these people who are connected to Doctor Who, but who have also been to your shows before mm-hmm. and are so willing to either reach out before you do and offer a you know, hey, I'm interested. Just let me know what I can do. That says something positive about the experience that you've created and helped to create. That's very true. Yeah. I will say that um, it's been, you know, we did it for 15 years total. And, you know, when you work with um, when you work with celebrities and you, you know, you meet these people for the first time, you have no idea what to expect. And. You know, some people can surprise you. Some people may not come across the way that you think they will. The, the, the beauty of this is that out 15 years of working with Doctor Who people, every single person has been amazing. Like they are just wonderful people. Like to a, to a person, they're all great. And so, you know, I've had the, if somebody had told me 30 whatever years ago when I first started watching Doctor Who that I would, you know, take Colin Baker to dinner and I'd be friends with <laughs> Sophie Aldred and all this nonsense, you know, yeah. I would, no one would ever have believed. And <laughs> so it's, it's, you know, a shock to me <laughs> that I actually am in that position, but yeah, um, they're all great, great, great people. And I love them all. I now have a fantasy of traveling back to you when you were a young person and say one day, You'll be doing Colin Baker's laundry. And you're saying, no, what has become of me that I have fallen to this? You know, oh, no, uh, it's cool. Colin came to Hulanta the first time in 2013. We had him. He was the first doctor we ever had. And it was, you know, we went big because we wanted to do something for the 50th anniversary. And so I was up on stage uh, 
about to do his Q&A, and he was running a couple of minutes late. And somebody in the audience said, so, you know, you're about to interview your favorite doctor. Are you nervous? And I said, I have known for 25 years what I would ask Colin Baker if I had the opportunity to. So, no, I'm not. <laughs> I have been practicing for this. Exactly. <laughs> uh, one of the things that always lives in my mind, when, when he and uh, Nicola Bryant were at uh, Hulanta, mm-hmm. when was that? 2017. 2017. Oh, okay, wow. Uh, the three of us were there, mm-hmm. kind of all sitting side by side and kind of drinking it all in. And and somehow the question of whether or not the show was too scary for children came up. And and Colin, I, who I know has had this conversation, you know, on and off for 30 <laughs> years, uh, he said children should be frightened regularly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, 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 I was very interested in that conversation. And I came home and repeated that to my family. And my stepdaughter said, I don't know who that guy is, but I don't like him. And, mm. and I thought, boy, I didn't present that right because, <laughs> it, and, and it did. It led to an interesting conversation because I, I feel sure that what he meant was not that you should scare your kids for no reason. Exactly. But that what he's saying is <laughs> that, uh, television, television fantasy is a way of practicing what real life is going to be like mm-hmm. and shows like Dr. Who, you know, you can be scared in a moment and then you see that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Part of what that does is it helps to, it helps you to be brave in real life. That's my own thinking, but I think there's some science behind that too. And I'm pretty sure that's what he meant. Oh, I'm pretty sure. Yes. He is certainly not the kind of guy who would want you to terrorize your children. No, no. He has three three daughters, right? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't think they live in terror of him, despite what you see in uh, the the five-ish doctors. Yeah, right, they right. <laughs> right. They're not right. afraid of him; they're just exasperated. But uh, anyway, so sweet. One of my favorite Colin Baker stories from Hulanta uh, was that second time that he came. We have a we have a David Bowie tribute band here in Atlanta, and Mr. Baker is quite a Bowie aficionado. So, you know, I had them playing. And part of the reason that I that I booked them for the convention was because I knew that Colin Baker loved Bowie. And, of course, I do, too. So um, this, these guys came in, and they did a show. And uh, we I told Colin about it, and he's like, oh, yeah, I'll stop by for a few minutes. He sat for over an hour and watched almost their entire sh- show. He loved them. So that was that's one of my favorite things. It's just sure. something you don't expect – you know, a doctor to just sit <laughs> late night at your convention and just watch a band play for an hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but he, he loved, he was, he was so excited by it. High praise indeed. Yes. So the three of us have often had a conversation about what communities evolve around different franchises, whether it's comic books, whether it's Star Trek, whether yeah. it's Doctor Who, specifically on Doctor Who, what do you find unique about the fandom, this community of people that you didn't want to give up and you saw in this last year that you were kind of fiending for Hulanta again? What is it that's unique about the Doctor Who community? Hmm, that's a very good question. I would say that, and I think, I think this is true about every fandom, but I think that maybe Doctor Who has a little bit of an edge over other things in that it's a show that can do anything and go anywhere. And the limits of imagination are completely wide open. It can be 
you know, it can be a futuristic um, space station one week. It can be set in the Wild West the next week. You know, Star Trek does does that too with holodecks, but not on a regular basis. Doctor Who can be anything it wants to be every week. And I think that the what that does with the fandom is that it brings very creative, very insightful, very uh, proactive fans. And these are people that, uh, you know, it's not just cosplayers. The cosplay community for Doctor Who is unbelievable. Um, but it's, it's creatives in all facets that are just, that are drawn to the show. And I think it's because the imagination of the show is so unlimited that it gives people who are creative and who are imaginative themselves a, a real outlet for everything that they would ever want to do. Cool. Good answer. Wow. Yeah. Thanks. That, that was off the cuff. <laughs> I was going to say, if that was, yeah, if you were making that up as you go, that was pretty good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, it, it leads me to, to ask sort of the, the ancillary question to that, that I, cause I, I, you're, you're one of the, um, the people who I think has probably thought about this the most, but the three of us have been charged to write a chapter for a book about why the doctor, the character matters. Mm-hmm. And we've been polling people about that. So I would, give a purdy to know what your answer to that is. Why, why do we care? Especially in our beloved franchise where the, the central character keeps changing. Mm-hmm. I think, I think the change is part of it. I think that the, um, the, the not being defined by who you currently are or who you have been is, is a powerful message. Hmm. There's another off the cuff one for you. Yeah. <laughs> but again, pretty profound. Yeah, you're. Um, yeah, you're, and, you're um, cooking tonight, Alan. You. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got me on a good night. Let I'm me tell say, you. yeah, <laughs> the meds are working. <laughs> kidding, kidding, kidding. But yeah, I think um, why the doctor? I think that um, I think also he is well, he or she is um, for the most part a pacifist, mm-hmm. for the most part an intellectual. Mm-hmm. I think that seeing a hero who attempts to avoid violence and attempts to always uh, attack a problem from an intellectual standpoint and to outthink an opponent is also a powerful message. I think it gives an alternative to, you know, and I'm not dogging Star Trek because I'm a huge Trekkie, but it gives an alternative to, you know, firing phasers on something. And, and, you know, I think it goes back to, um, this is, this is jumping way back to 1970 in the Silurians. The end of the story, the doctor mm-hmm. is adamant that, you know, do not send people down into those caves. We're going to negotiate with the Silurians. We're going to find a peaceful solution. You know, don't take rash actions. And the brigadier's like, okay, sure. Yeah. See you later, doctor. And as soon as the doctor's out of the room, he orders a missile strike. Yep. And the doctor's reaction to that that action is so profound. And I think that that sums up who the doctor is in regards to the world in which we live. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. That's, that's a moment that I always think of is this is, this is what this show is about. Yeah. You can't believe that the brigadier has done what he's just done. We like this guy. Yeah. But, but he thinks he's right. Mm -hmm. Thinks he's doing the right thing. Yeah. But, the doctor basically has to say, okay, we're done. You and I are done. But see, that's good storytelling. It when really you've got is. two people on the opposite sides of a problem 
both who think they're right and both who take actions based on what they think is the right thing to do, not for themselves, but for the world at large. Yeah. And they're completely opposing it. You know, it comes back to um, the Christmas invasion um, where what's her name? <laughs> uh, Harriet Jones, know. prime minister. <laughs> Har- Har- Harriet Jones. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> when Harriet Jones. Alan Siler is the only person in the universe who doesn't know who she is. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. No, uh, no, no. <laughs> so, Sadly, she's one of my favorite new series characters. Anyway, Absolutely, yeah. But um, yeah, Harriet, anyway. Yeah. But she yeah. takes that action against the Sycorax, mm-hmm. and she is sure that she's right. And the thing that I loved about that was that they came back to that moment uh, a couple of seasons later in um, you know the end of season four. And mm-hmm. you know she comes back and she says, you know, and I've, I've thought about that for the last three years, and I still would take the same action that I took. And yeah. it, it was – not what the doctor would have wanted her to do, but she acted from her own, you know, perspective and held true to her beliefs. And, you know, she, she has a point. The doctor is not always around. That's right. So, you know, you can't argue with that. Exactly. Yeah. Anyway, that's well, a total aside. <laughs> no, no, it's, it's all related to the same point, I think, but it's a great answer. But it's, a, I guess what we're sort of what we're getting at is why would anybody go to the effort as a volunteer, for God's sake, to to put together an event like uh, Hulanta online? You must be nuts or it's really important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it is really important. Or you're um, nuts. Well, there is that too. <laughs> but can they be? Can they or should they be mutually exclusive? I admit I'm nuts. God, I hope not. Yeah. yeah. You, you hope I'm not nuts, or you hope that they're not mutually exclusive? I hope they're not exclusive. Okay. <laughs> well, so you can be desperate. Okay, thank you. So I would be totally nuts if I ended this call without asking this question because I'm dying to know. Even though I've seen some of your reactions on Facebook, but since people who are listening can't see reactions on Facebook, I want to ask this question. General summary view, Alan Seiler, what was your thoughts on series 12? Um, that is a big question. <laughs> um, How much time? That? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, in general, I, I enjoyed it. You know, there were some, like any season, um, you know, there are some high points and some low points. Um, for the most part though, I really enjoyed it. Uh, the, the first episode was so good. You know, I thought it was just one of the best new series openers ever. The second episode was, you know, a little bit of a letdown, but Dr. Who has sort of a history of part twos, you know, not really living up to the part one. And this one was at least close. So I thought it was a terrific way to start. I thought the, the, Frankenstein episode was superb. That is one of the most original and scariest things <laughs> that they've the show has ever done with a Cyberman. I okay. thought that was just terrific. Um, you know, the whole extra doctor played by Joe Martin was an unexpected twist. The timeless child thing was, you know, certainly divisive amongst the fandom. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I don't, I don't really have a problem with it. Because there's been so many hints at that being the case, you know, going all the way back to, as everyone says, Brain of Morbius. But then there were also hints in Remembrance of the Daleks. And this was something that was explored in the novels back in the 90s. So it's not a new idea. It's been around for a long time. And I, you know, I'm interested to see where they go with it. 
So yeah, overall, I thought it was enjoyable. It's funny hearing you say that because I'm sitting here thinking, you know, in the last several, well, when we watched it, especially when we got to the Timeless Children and the week after, I think Clarence and Lee both had to talk me off the ledge because I was about ready to (laughs) jump off the proverbial Doctor Who ledge. But in the last, say, what, what would you guys say in the last four or five weeks, we've gone and spent a lot of time in classic who reviewing classic episodes. And I keep yeah. finding myself saying, maybe Chibnall had a point here. Maybe mm-hmm. Chibnall was right here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that there's always been points in the series history where the current showrunner does something that changes everything. You know, the war games was one. Mm-hmm. Um, they, there was a six part story and a four part story that were going to end the season and they both sort of like petered out and, uh, they had to write a 10 part thing to fill the end of the season and they just started writing and to, you know, stretch it out. They had the, they introduced the time Lords, brought the doctor back to his home planet, put him on trial. It was a way of, you know, stretching the story out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> that changed everything. You get to, um, in Tom Baker, you get to the Deadly Assassin where it all of a sudden layers all this Time Lord history into one four-part story. And all of a sudden you have a definition of how many times the Doctor can regenerate. You have the structure of the Time Lord government basically, uh, hints about how the society is you know, a, sort of a class structure. You have all this stuff that's just thrown into this one story and, you know – Every, every, you know, showrunner has something that they add to. And I don't think that this is any more drastic than some of the other things that we've had in the past. It's just that those things do come from the past and they don't seem drastic. Now. Well said. <laughs> Thank you. So, uh, Cal, if I may, I have oh, a, a question about the fandom and, um, it's more so centered around um, how the fandom can steer the direction of the show. So mm-hmm. I'm going to give you a few examples right here. Uh, the, the outcry with Sonic the Hedgehog's, uh, design, <laughs> they redid them for the movie. Yes. Uh, the recent, um, uh, uh, Strange New Worlds being greenlit, greenlit because fans petitioned for it and they really yeah. wanted it. They greenlit it. Uh, and also, um, the Justice League remake or, uh, mm-hmm. a Zack yeah. Snyder cut that they're doing that's coming out in a few years. So do you think, there has been a situation in Doctor Who where the fandom has steered the show in a different direction, or if it hasn't happened, do you think it will happen? Mm, I don't know. That's a very, very interesting question. Um, I think there's a possibility um, that Series 12 sort of was geared that direction because of that. I don't know mm. for sure, and I certainly have no evidence to back that up, but, you know, it's such a drastic change from series 11. And I'm sure that series 11, you know, was intended to be the clean slate that any fan, any new viewer can jump on and watch. And there were no returning villains. There were no returning monsters. There were no, uh, there was nothing that made you have to know any of the show's history to watch it. And then all of a sudden in series 12, it's like an, it's like a dump truck comes and (laughs) unloads this massive amount of, uh, continuity and, you know, returning characters. And yeah. it's just to the point where it was almost overwhelming. Like, yeah. you know, you get to 
a you know like the um another really good one was the um uh Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror where you've got all this extra stuff like a Silurian gun you know is just thrown in for no reason and yeah. it's it's just like every opportunity to um make a point to the show's past whereas series 11 completely ignored the show's past um and so it does seem like it's a drastic change. Now, I'm sure that some of that was planned, but it just seems like such an overload. Yeah. You know, that it's, it's a, it's just drastic in the way that it was done to me. But, you know, it was still, you know, it was still a good season. I still enjoyed it. Right on. Cool. But that's a possible way that the fandom, the reaction, you know, affected the show. Mm, and I agree. That was a very good question, by the way. So I want to ask a question before we wrap up about something that you had been working on kind of, I think as a side project, but I think in the last year you've put a lot more energy full force into it. And that is cosmic press. So you want to tell everybody what that is and how they could find out more about what that is. Absolutely. And I appreciate you asking. <laughs> it's the a publishing company that I founded. Um, I had been actually, you know, I've written a few books, um, a few Doctor Who books, um, Doctor Who's Greatest Hits and uh, Children of Time, the Companions of Doctor Who, and then one about uh, Capaldi's second season, Series 9. And uh, and I'd done those under the banner of Cosmic Press. And, and I kind of got to a point where I wanted to expand what I was doing. Um, so I, you know, officially formed the business, um, you know, filed all the paperwork and everything. And, um, have been kind of working on doing things with that for the past, you know, getting groundwork laid for the past year. Um, the way it stands right now is that the main, I've got the, the main, uh, title, the main name, and then two imprints. Um, Cosmic Press in, in the main will be doing, um, novels, uh, some nonfiction books, mostly teen and adult. So I've also got, uh, Cosmic Classics which is going to be doing reprints of classic editions and cosmic kids, which is going to be obviously a kid's line. So I have, um, I've got, uh, more of the worlds has come out and then a new edition of the time machine. And I try to do something different with each one of those. So the time machine has got uh, a new introduction. It's got the short story that preceded the novel and then an essay by a professor of science fiction that sort of, uh, ties the two together how the one evolved into the other ah, and then war of the, the worlds i have Argonauts. exactly yeah exactly and um and it's interesting because there's there's a, a you know ever so slight doctor who tie in there too uh, in the yeah, it's really interesting yeah. um and then time machine i've got um two of his other short stories that are set on or involve Mars mm -hmm. and, uh, and then the, the novel. And um, it's, it's got a, when you put them together, there's kind of a cool little narrative thread with the way the Martians observe us from afar and then are essentially spying on us directly in the second story and then invade us in the third story. Yeah. It's really kind of a cool flow. Through they, the crystal egg, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly, which you, is you, a really you can't, fascinating story. Can't stump me on H.G. Wells, man. I know my H.G. <laughs> I can H. G. see that. No, I, I'm <laughs> I am strangely obsessed with War of the Worlds, and I have many, many different editions. And I've always wondered why there wasn't an omnibus edition that had things like Crystal Egg and War of the Worlds between yeah. two covers. And you've done it, man. I have done it. So, and the other story is called The Star, mm -hmm. um, which is a, a really interesting one about a. Uh, 
it's a it's a a comet that's coming through and it's going to you know it comes close enough that it affects you know tidal it affects a lot of things on earth and at the end of the story it's like um it, all it says is that you know if someone on Mars and Mars does have, you know, astrologers or whatever, if they were watching Earth, this is what they would see. So it kind of tells you that the Martians are watching us. And then in the crystal egg, there are these devices that we, that we learned are planted around the Earth that they use to basically get a close up look at who mm-hmm. humans are, what they're doing. And then the third one is, you know, the invasion. And I, I think it's a fascinating connection between the three of them, even though it wasn't intended to be a connection. None of them were really related to each other. Yeah, at least not consciously. Yeah, but he he had all these ideas going. Yeah. Yeah. And the Martians come and what gets them? COVID-19. Exactly right. (laughs) I mean, how could you plan the timing of this any better? (laughs) Yeah. That'll learn them. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I've got – I've also got uh, my first children's picture book that's going to be coming out pretty soon. It's completely done. I'm working on the layout, and it'll be out very, very soon. And then uh, a first – novel by a debut author um a teen historical fiction novel that will be later this year oh how lovely very lovely very awesome awesome thank you and you can find out about it at cosmic press which is k-o-z-m-i-c press.com i'm glad you asked because i would have hunted around for a long time without (laughs) k-o-z k-o-z m-i-c yep press not followed by k-e-y Right. It's hard to say MIC. For I know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Saying, you have to Maybe be I a certain age. Maybe I should have done it MIK. <laughs> yeah. So I want to ask my two co-hosts real quick before we do a close. Are there any other questions that you guys had that we have not asked that you wanted to cover? Well, if it's possible that we're going to get this out to people on Friday, then maybe this is the time to ask, what are people, what can people expect when they come to Hulanta on Facebook? I mean, how, how is that? That's going to be so different from the experience of walking through the doors at uh, uh, a convention otherwise. What, what's yeah. going to be happening? I mean, it's six hours, right? No, actually, I think it's in the last day or so. Hasn't it grown time wise? Yes, yeah. it is uh, Eastern time, 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so now we're to 10 hours. Did yeah. I do the math right? And, <laughs> Good question. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, so in, in, a, in a, an on-the-ground convention, mm-hmm. you'll be coming and going, and you'll go to other rooms, and you'll say, oh, damn it, this is at the same time as this other thing I want to see. That's true. <laughs> so how, how? So this is going to be very different. Well, yeah, it will be. Uh, we're going to have – We'll start it off with a panel, a uh, season 12 review, um, which is going to be uh, just some of the uh, Hulana staff. And then from that point on, it's pretty much all guests. Um, we'll have uh, the big the, the Q&As in the evening, um, Colin Baker, Sophie Aldred, and Rachel Talalay, uh, which I'm very excited about. Rachel was uh, – we were hoping to have last year at the convention, and she had ended up booking another convention the same week as ours. And so when I emailed her, she was like, I just booked something else like two days ago. I'm like, oh, no. Anyway, so um, I'm looking forward to those. And then we have a couple of concerts um, in the afternoon and in the evening. Um, We have a panel called Doctor Who, The Expanded Worlds, which has Jason Hay Gallery from Big Finish, Chris Thompson from Eagle Moss, 
and Edward Russell, who was the franchise brand manager for 12 years uh, from 2006 to, you know, he left a couple of years ago. Um, the music of Doctor Who, which I mentioned earlier, um, it's going to be a, a full day. Um, we're going to try and recreate the experience of going to the dealer's room or going to a masquerade by having separate posts. So um, if you follow the, the dealer's room post, for example, different dealers can post links to their products, you know, or their online store. And that way you can see who all is, you know, representing there. And um, I'm going to try to have some of them listed on our website as well um, beforehand. And, and then cosplayers can, you know, drop if they're cosplaying the day of, you know, send us some photos or send us some pictures of costumes that you've done in the past. You know, so it's we're going to try and recreate as much as we can um, through panels, Q&As, performances, and then these two uh, threads. So hopefully people will get the experience. Plus, in the chat function, you can see who else is there and you can. You know, if you've got friends, you can, you know, certainly comment with them. So hopefully it'll be like hanging out with you. That, that's great because the, the social aspect is one of the things I was, I was wondering about. So mm-hmm. that, that's going to be terrific. Mm-hmm. So that yeah, means, it's, that uh, is the hardest thing to, to recreate, of course, but hopefully, sure. hopefully it'll, people will feel like they're, they're there, you know. So we can virtually hang out with Nicole Maza. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Cool. All right. Well, gentlemen, Clarence, do you, uh, I know Lee had a question. Were any other, did we answer all your questions? Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Certainly. Awesome. Well, thank you, Alan, for being on. This was a lot of fun. And I want to say we are excited about Hulanta coming this Saturday. It's so excited on Facebook. The links are, of course, in the show notes. So again, thank you. And to everyone listening, as always, we thank you for being with us. We're glad that you you are here and we will be back next time. You've been listening to the Discussing Network. Find out more at DiscussingNetwork.com.